Welcome, everyone. I want to I want to say hello again. My name is uh, Tim Power. I am pastor of Modern Worship and Discipleship here at Salem. We are so glad to have you here in worship for week two of our sermon series. It is called Running on Fumes, and probably some of us can relate to that being like our lives, right? It keeps coming and coming, and you're just trying to make it all happen, and then somebody hits faster on the dial, right? Does, does that sound like anybody's week, anybody's month, anybody's year? Well, of course. That, that's the culture we're living in. But what we wanted to do is we wanted to explore a little bit about what the Bible says our lives should look like. You know, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're trying to do something countercultural. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. We're trying to live differently than the culture around us tells us to live. And so as we study... And I'm amazed that the more I get into the Word of God, the more I learn about the Word of God, the more I'm, I'm, I'm confronted with the fact that following Jesus is totally countercultural. And so some of the things that you hear every day in the culture surrounding us, things like, um, for instance, that, that you need to be number one. is totally countercultural to what Jesus' message, which said that the first will be last and the last will be first. And so we live in a culture that says that might makes right, that only the strong survive, and we serve a God that tells us, in fact, that in our weakness, God is made stronger. So there's another thing that, that we find in the Scripture all the way back from the very beginning of creation, which is that God told us that we're not to be these people that are, that are ruled by lives that are rushed, rushed, rushed all the time, but in fact that we should be a people that can take time and rest. And there's this, we talked about it last week, this idea of Sabbath, this idea of being able to take certain times set aside for rest, that in fact God established that from the very beginning of Scripture, that this, this is a part of our rhythm of life. It's a part of our rhythm of life. And last week what we did was we talked a little bit about um, a theology of Sabbath. And um, so, so if, if you missed last week, you can find the teaching online. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's really the best sermon you'll ever hear. Now, I just want to establish that, be, uh, not that it's a great sermon. I wanted to establish the fact that we, we, we need to have a th- theology of Sabbath. We need to know why we do that and recognize in ourselves the need for this. I talked a little bit about uh, an article that I read uh, uh, in the New York Times. Uh, a lady by the name of Judith Shulovitz wrote an article called Bring Back the Sabbath. Uh, just to rehash a little of this, she talked about how she grew up in a religious Jewish family when she grew up, though, she kind of left a lot of that behind. She, she left a lot of her religious upbringing behind, um, and she started a career in journalism. She was killing it, and it was killing her. She was killing it, and it was killing her. And she, she, she felt like she was always burning the candle at both ends and didn't know how to cope. And she found herself um, returning on Fridays, uh, kind of secretly dropping in, on uh, some temple worship. Uh, And she said it was amazing to her what she found there. She found rest in worship that she had never knew that she needed. In fact, she she makes the case, and it's not even a religious case for Sabbath. It's just a case that that it's, it's part of what we need as human beings is a rhythm of rest. 
a rhythm of rest. And I loved, I, I shared this. She used a term that I absolutely love. She said that when she would start adopting these Sabbath practices into her life again, it quieted, get this, the eternal murmur of self-reproach. The eternal murmur of self-reproach. And Here's how she defines that. It's the need to prove yourself constantly. This need that you have to constantly prove yourself, to prove your worth. I, I talked uh, last week about the movie Chariots of Fire. Any Chariots of Fire fans? Great, great movie. Um, I don't like sports, but I like sports movies. And so this is a great sports movie about two British runners uh, from like the 1920s. And they, they're, they're competing in a race. And here, here's the amazing thing. The two runners, one is um, a, a passionate follower of Jesus Christ. Uh, the other is, is totally secular, has, has no interest in anything religious, and it kind of contrasts these two guys. Uh, the one who has absolutely no interest in religion, uh, no interest in Jesus, um, when he's asked, why do you need to win this? He says this, I have 10 seconds to prove my worth. I have 10 seconds to justify my existence. And that is really our culture we live in. That is what we call the eternal murmur of self-reproach. That thing inside you that says you need to prove yourself constantly. The other guy, they ask him why he runs. And, and he says, because when I run, I feel God's pleasure. Think about that contrast between those two things. One, on the one hand, I, I run because I need to justify my existence. The other, I run because I feel God's pleasure when I run. And one of the guys, he, they, the, the big conflict in the movie is they have one of the races, and it ends up being planned for a Sunday. And the, the one who's a follower of Jesus, Sunday is his Sabbath every, every week. And everyone gets really angry because he says he's not going to run in the race. And, and I know some of us could look at that and say, you're taking it way too seriously. You're, you're, you're being really dogmatic with your beliefs. Uh, you, you know, you're being legalistic. But, but see, that, that's missing the point. The point was, he knew that if he didn't run in that race, that didn't define him. He was not justifying his existence because he needed to win the race. He ran because when he ran, he felt God's pleasure. And we ended last week with this verse from Matthew, or it's actually two verses from Matthew 11. It says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, we find our rest in Jesus Christ. We find our rest really in our identity. Uh, one, one of the places we landed last week was this, was that when Jesus on the cross when his arms were spread wide, the last thing that Jesus uttered before he gave up his spirits is he said, it is finished. And while we're constantly, constantly saying, I've got to do this, I've got to do this, and, and even when we're on vacation, some of us are checking our emails, we're checking on uh, our, our lives, we're always checking back in because we're not finished. Jesus said his last words, it is finished. And that meant for you. And that meant for me. That meant our identity was secured. We don't have to justify our existence by what we do. Our existence was justified on the cross 2,000 years ago. 
That is hope. And that means that you can rest in Jesus. And it means this. Apart from Christ, you will work even when you're resting. But in Christ, you can rest even when you're working. I'm going to say that again. Apart from Christ, you will work even when you're resting. In Christ, you will rest. You can rest even when you're working. I want to point something out. If you got your bulletin, we're starting something new in this series that I really like. In the middle of your bulletin, there's a spot for notes, and we have these things called rest stop questions. Okay? So our sermon series is, uh, is running on fumes, and so these are some break questions for you. When you're breaking, when you're, when, you're, when you're at rest, we want you to ask yourselves. And so you see the questions there, and it's space for notes, so you can take some notes. If, if, if anything I say is profound, and it all is, um, then you can write something down in that space uh, for notes. Also, we've got these questions. What areas of your life are moving too fast? When was the last time you slowed down long enough to sit at the feet of Jesus and really listen? What can you choose to do differently? What is the better choice? So some of these, uh, they'll make a little bit more sense as we go on in sermon, but I want you to know that that's available to you, and, and it might help to reframe this. It might make things stick a little bit more for you. We're going to be doing this uh, a little more uh, in, in weeks and months to come because we want this stuff to become life for us because we're trying to do life in Christ. So we find our rest in Christ. I want to look at another story a little bit about having a rhythm a rhythm of resting in Christ. And we're going to go to the Gospel of Luke. Now, when I say the Gospel, um, I'm talking specifically about these books of the Bible. The, the first four books of the New Testament are Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And these are different stories about Jesus' life on earth. And the Gospels all create a fuller picture altogether of who Jesus is is and what the story of Christ is. And these are called the Gospels. So we're going to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listened to what he, uh, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about so many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. This is a story that's probably played out in many houses, even in this congregation this week. Any siblings ever complain? Can't you see that I'm doing all the work around here and my brother, my sister, this other person's not doing anything? No, I'm the only person who's heard that in my house. I'm the only person who's said that about my sibling. Can't you see that they're not doing all the work? But here's the thing. Jesus actually gently rebukes Martha. He says, listen, Martha, you've got so much on your plate that doesn't really matter. You've got so much on your plate. You're so worried that if you slow down, the world's going to fall apart. But get this. You know what? Before you were born, the sun used to rise in the sky every morning and go down every night. And after you're gone, the sun's still going to rise in the morning and go down at the night. 
you're not holding everything together like you think. Some of you need to hear that today. You're not holding the world together as much as you think you're holding the world together. You need to focus on the things that really matter. You need to focus on the thing that really matters. It brings to mind, there's another psalm that I really love. Psalm 127. Now, the psalms are, in the Old Testament, the songbook. We sing songs here. We put them up on the screen. They would have put the psalms up on the screen in the church of the Old Testament because this was the Hebrew people's songbook. Psalm 127, I'm going to read the first two verses, says this. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Oh, isn't that your favorite verse? He grants sleep to those he loves. Libby Savage, is that a verse you love right now? Libby and Nick just had a baby. Some of you, God loves you so much that he's been granting you sleep ever since I started talking. I I love this verse. You know what? We have a sleep problem in our world today. We actually have a, a, an, an epidemic, many will tell us, of, of sleep. That people just are not getting enough sleep. Can I get any amens in the room? Yes. Some of you woke up just to shout amen. Yes. So sleep, sleep is an issue. If you have kids, I've got three boys at home um, 12, almost 10, and just turned 6. Um, a while ago, one of my, one of my uh, young sons came uh, in the middle of the night. They always choose the best times right in the middle of the night. Came into our room. He has the, the, um, the nicest, most gentle way of waking me. It's by jabbing me in the eye with his finger. And, um, and he said, Dad, Dad, I can't sleep. And so I'm just mumbling back to him. I said, what's wrong? He's like, I, I got this little pain in my neck, and it keeps waking me up. And I said, well, that's a coincidence, because I've got this little pain in my neck, and it keeps waking me up. Must be something in the water, maybe the pipes in the house. Why don't you wake up your mom and see if she has a pain in her neck? I'll bet she does. So we all have sleep issues, right? Some of us have issues with sleep. Um, Did you know that prior to 1879, the average American slept 10 hours per night? Do you know what was invented in 1879? What's Netflix? Netflix was invented in 1879, and suddenly people came off the cobblestone streets and they were binging Stranger Things. That's not true. The light bulb was invented. It changed everything. What do you think is the average amount of sleep that people get now? Six or less. Six hours or less. Most doctors will tell you that's not good, and that's not a good amount of sleep. But you know what? I think one of the reasons that that we get this in Psalms is that in Psalms 126, rest is a gift from God. Sleep is a gift from God. And in fact, 
Rest is a way of worshiping. It's not just a gift, it's a way of worshiping. Here's why. Because it's saying to God that you understand that you're not in control. When you rest, you're actually saying, God, I understand that you build my house. God, I understand that you protect my city. I can rest because I know that you're the one in charge. Now, getting back to the story of Mary and Martha, they both had choices to make, right? They had choices to make. It says that they actually had limited time because it says Jesus was passing through the city. Did you know you are passing through your life? You do not have much time. And in fact, what you do with your time is so important. You're confronted with a choice of what you're going to spend your time on. We have limited time. And, and I shared this quote, and I'm going to share it again. I just shared it about four weeks ago, but it's a life quote for me. This is from Francis Chan. He said this, Our greatest fear should not be of failure, but of succeeding at things in life that don't really matter. That was, that was Jesus' message when he was talking to Martha. He's saying, you worry about all these things because you think that everything is under your control, but it's not. But Mary focused on the thing that really mattered, the thing that really counted. And we've got that same choice today. You know, oftentimes in the busiest, most pressing times of his life, the make or break moments in Jesus' life, you know what he did oftentimes? He walked away from everything to go get quiet and to listen to God. He walked away from everything. I'm going to ch- ch- take one example. In Mark chapter 6, verse 31, it says this. Then because so many people were coming and going, this is Jesus' earthly ministry. He's preaching, he's teaching, he's healing, he's doing so much, and he's with his disciples. It says so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat. They're busy. He said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. That's a pretty count- countercultural way to do it do it, right? When you are at your busiest, go away and get some rest. We see this all through Jesus' life over and over again. When he's at his busiest, when everything is at a fever pitch, he goes away and gets some rest because he knows that is the rhythm of life that we're to adopt if we're followers of Jesus. Another good example of this is, you know, after Jesus was crucified He rose again from the dead, and he gives his great commission in which he basically tells all of his disciples and all of us to this day to go and preach the gospel to all nations, to baptize all people in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. But he says, but wait, first, go get quiet. Go wait. And he goes and tells his disciples to actually go get quiet and wait upon the Lord, just like Mary, to wait at the feet of Jesus. And it it seems so different than everything. We think, no, 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 we've got some momentum. Let's get out there. Let's do the thing. He says, no, 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 that's not my rhythm. That's your rhythm. That's not my rhythm. My rhythm is, no, 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 stop. Sit at my feet. Sit at my feet and listen. When was the last time you got quiet before God? You, You just sat and listened. You just inclined your ear. God, what are you saying to me right now? Now, I, I promised last week that I, w- I would give some practical things this week. Um, uh, well, here's what I want to do. I want to give some practical physical things that we can do to live out lives of rest. And then I want to talk about the spiritual side of that. But first I want to get, so, so even if you've come here and, and, and let's say you come here because um, somebody asks you to come every week and, and you just come and you, you don't know about the God stuff. 
th this stuff could still be really helpful. I'm going to be using some, some uh, examples from Dr. Uh, Sandra Dalton-Smith wrote a book called Sacred Rest, and she's a uh, board-certified internal medicine physician who has done a lot of uh, study into how our bodies need rest. But she gives, um, so, so these, these are just really practical, physical things you can do. Eight ways to relax in five minutes or less. Here's what I want to try. We're going to actually try some of these together, okay? We're going to try a couple of things. Breathe deeply. This is the very first one. Breathe deeply. Let's try this. When you feel tense, turn your attention to your breath. Inhale deeply from your abdomen and lengthen your exhalations. Second one is this. Adjust your posture. Scan your body to release any spots where you may be holding in stress. Squeeze your shoulder blades together and press them down. Soften your forehead. I got kind of a hard bone in my forehead. I don't know how to soften it. Blink your eyes. You don't have to do the next one, but the next one is this. Take a walk. It'll get a little messy in here if we try to do that. If, you, if possible, head outside to enjoy sunshine and fresh air. If you need to, stay indoors. Climb a few flights of stairs or walk from one end of the office to the other. The fourth is this. Stretch your muscles. Let's try this. Can we stand to our feet? Stand to your feet. Perform a few static stretches. Lower yourself forward into a bend. Clasp your elbows behind your back. Now clasp your neighbor's elbows behind their back and make them say uncle. Don't, don't really do that. Okay, you guys can have a seat. The next one, maybe kids can't always do this in school. Chew gum. Would you believe that chewing gum fights anxiety? Pop a stick in your mouth for a few minutes before performance appraisals, a big test, or sales calls. The next one of this is get a squeeze ball. Next time you see a trade show booth giving away stress balls, grab one. Keep one at your desk to play with occasionally. I know we don't have these here, but you can use your neighbor's earlobe maybe. And um, no, don't. Don't really. I'm looking at my kids. They're probably going to try that. Um, it may actually help with arthritis pain too. Seven is this. Laugh about it. Now, I don't really like laughter, but I'm told that humor can help in challenging situations. Share a joke with a coworker, an appropriate joke, please. Post funny quotes around your desk. Laughter loosens up your muscles and actually boosts your immune system. The last one is this, smile more. Can I get some smiles around the room? Did you know smiles are contagious? Laughter is contagious. Thank you. Some scientists actually believe that smiling reduces stress because it lowers your heart rate. Start the day by wishing your coworkers a cheerful, cheerful good morning. And remember to look happy even when you're on the phone. Um, for years I did sales. And this is one thing they would tell us, is to smile when you're on the phone. It sounds strange, but you know people can hear smiles. You can hear a smile over the phone. That's an amazing thing. And it actually, um, it's, it's borne out by data that people who smile more make, more sales, make more, more sales on the phone because that comes through. Now, there's some real practical, real simple things that you can do in your daily life. I want to close, though, with a spiritual 
And this is by far the most important part, so please listen up to this. This verse that we started with from Matthew, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This last verse can be a little confusing. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Isn't that confusing to you? There's two reasons it's kind of confusing. Because think about what Jesus' Jesus' burden was. Jesus' greatest burden. Can, Can anybody shout it out? Jesus' greatest burden was the cross. How is that light? And yoke, isn't a yoke an instrument to use for work? Now, isn't that the last thing that tired people need is a yoke? Don't they need a mattress? Don't they need a pillow? Don't they need a vacation? But but here's the key. Here's the key. So please listen up for this. Jesus was not offering them an escape from labor. What he was doing was offering new equipment in the labor. He was offering new equipment in the labor. See, have you ever seen a yoke? Do you know what that looks like? That, that these that the two ox, oxen, is it oxen? Oxen would be in a yoke. There's two spots, right? Place for two different heads to go in a yoke. So the yoke that Jesus is offering you, the one the yoke that Jesus is offering me here, is one that you go in and Jesus goes in. And when when you and somebody much stronger than you carry a heavy load, who does most of the lifting? I'll tell you what, if, if I uh, am helping anybody move and Chris Mosley happens to be there, do you know who I'm going to say buddy system with? It's going to be Chris Mosley. He's stronger than me. And he does all the heavy lifting. See, this is what Jesus is offering you today. Not just a temporary vacation This is going to send you right back into the stress and strain afterwards. See, Jesus is actually offering you a whole new way to walk through the stress and through the strain. He's saying, I'll carry the heavy load. I'm giving you a whole new set of equipment. I'm offering you for all of the stress and all of the labor to be cast upon me. Because when you're walking with me, I'm ultimately responsible for the success of what you're doing. Whether that's your family, your job, whatever you're putting your hand to. Because here's here's the catch, though. The only way to experience this rest, and please hear this, the only way to really experience this rest is to fully surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Is to fully surrender your life to Jesus Christ. See, to be yoked up with Jesus, we've got to be going where Jesus is going. You can't have one ox going that way and one going that way. You've got to go where he goes. And the most tiring way to live your life is the way that the majority of religious people live their lives, only partially committed to Jesus Christ. See, some Christians have a list of things that they think is kind of Christian. Maybe, maybe that's going to church. Maybe it's giving some money every once in a while. Maybe that means being a nice person. So, They never fully surrender, and they do all this stuff. And you know what? Their religion becomes a checklist that just makes them more tired in the end. 
it becomes a checklist of things that makes them more tired because they never get the benefit that comes knowing that I walk day by day with Jesus and he bears the responsibility for all of my relationships, that he bears the responsibility and the burden for all the tasks I'm doing because everything I'm doing, I'm doing at his bidding. Now, I'm telling you, you will not believe how much rest you can feel even on the most stressful day of your life if you know you're walking with Jesus. And I, I know that when I wake up in the morning and I put the yoke on, I know that I'm yoked together with my Savior Jesus Christ and that he will bear my burdens. Wouldn't you love to live with that kind of rest every day? So I'm going to invite our band back up to the stage. Now listen, apart from Christ, you will work even when you're resting. But in Christ, you can rest even when you're working. I'm going to bring your attention again to the very last question of these rest stop questions because I want us to think for just a minute. I want us to have a moment of reflection. So I want you to close your eyes. I'm going to actually say the last two questions. When was the last time you slowed down long enough to sit at the feet of Jesus and really listen like Mary did? When was the last time you slowed down for that long? I know that you're busy. You may say, I don't have time for that. I, I, I would respectfully submit that you don't have time not to do that. You can't afford not to do that. And then here's the big question for you today that I want you to walk out of this place and maybe you don't have the answer when you leave this place, but make this your question that you're, you're asking over and over this week. Jesus said to Martha that Mary chose the right thing. And of course, the right thing was Jesus. The right thing was sitting at Jesus' feet. What does that look like in your life? What can you choose to do differently? What is the better choice? There's probably things that you need to cut out so that you can choose the better thing. There's probably something that you need to say no to so that you can sit at the feet of Jesus. So just with your eyes closed, I'm, I'm just going to ask for some revelation from God. Did you know that God can speak to you? We believe that that's the word of God is the revelation of God. So we believe that we're given this book we're given this book, the Holy Scriptures, and, and it is a guide for us. And God reveals himself in that way. But we're also equipped as followers of Jesus with the Holy Spirit who can speak to us. And if we'll humbly sit before the Holy Spirit, you'd be amazed at, at the guidance you can receive. So just in this moment, I'm going to pray. And I'd ask you to pray with me. Holy God, we come before you because we know that we need you. We need your rest because we're burning the candle at both ends in our lives, Lord God. And even if we're killing it, it might be killing us, God. So we just come before you now and we ask you, just like Jesus told Martha that she needed to choose the better thing, God, show us what the better thing is in our lives. Show us what we need to cut out what we need to take off our plate so that we can sit at your feet. Show us in our lives what sitting at your feet actually looks like, where we make that space, where we make that time. Show us the better thing, Lord. 
And then, God, I pray that you give us confidence to walk it out. And for, for anyone in this room, Lord God, who's seeking after you, who wants to surrender their lives to you fully, who maybe just has this checklist of religion that, that, that is wearing them out, Lord God, I'm asking that your spirit just, just press upon them their need to just to surrender to you completely. Even now, I surrender my heart to you completely, Lord God, and I say, I can't do anything without you, God. I can't do anything without you. I don't want to keep trying to prove myself, Lord God. I don't want to justify my existence. You justified my existence by your sacrifice on the cross, by your resurrection life that brought you back to life. And I need that same resurrection power on the inside of me, Lord God. So I'm praying for that, that I could be yoked with you in my life, that I could walk with you in my life. And so, God, I pray that you would meet those in this place who want that, who want to give up their lives and fully surrender to you. May this be a day of full surrender, Lord God, and a day where we can be yoked to you, our Savior, so we could walk alongside you. I pray this in your holy name. Amen.